Hey, it's Andrew Morgan, host of the Nomcast, the Netflix original movie podcast. Each week, we preview and review the biggest Netflix original movies with special guests from the film industry, the music industry, comedians, and of course, our fellow critics and podcasters. The Nomcast is available on nomcastpod.com or wherever you get your podcasts, on the socials at nomcastpod, and is a part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Do you like beer? Do you like podcasts? Do you like beer podcasts? Then check out Cracking One Open, a podcast about brews, news, and pop culture reviews. Every week we crack open a new craft beer from breweries around the country. And sometimes the world. We'll talk about how it was made, what's in it, the history of the brew, and the brewery. Then we'll give our tasting notes, and while we're finishing up, we'll talk about some of the latest goings-on in the world of pop culture. So check out Cracking One Open with Mike and Elise, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hi, I'm Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I'm Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. I'm a Blurred with a love for artwork and comics and animation. And I'm a writer and Blurred with a love for pretty much the same things. We grew up together and spent most of our formative years watching and talking about DC superhero shows and content. In fact, we still do. Every episode, we will discuss a DC production, compare it to its original source material, and share our thoughts on the adaptation. We've enjoyed our conversations these past couple of decades, and we think you will too. This season will put a shock to our system by covering Static Shock, the animated series on yet another DC animated podcast. Welcome to yet another episode, yet another DC animated podcast. My name is Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I am Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. Andrew and I have known each other since 1996. That was the year where our favorite and your favorite black president, Bill Clinton, was elected. (laughs) (laughs) Is what we had to say back then, because we had no black presidents back then. That's we had to say Bill Clinton was our favorite black president. Thankfully, we have options now. (laughs) Agreed. It's wild because the bare minimum was Bill Clinton played the saxophone. That was it. <laughs> that was it. And and he didn't own slaves like a lot of our presidents uh, did. Yep. So, <laughs> kids, it's more than one. So yeah, that was that was the bar back then. Uh but now now we have all kinds of presidents, including presidents in static shock. That's our transition, everyone. <laughs> Yeah, we got a very in-depth presidential election. So, you know, it's like it's the 90s, 2000s. You had to have your, you know, your obligatory presidential class president show. So we got it. This one with the first episode being Attack of the Living Brain Puppets. And which is now when you think about it, it's kind of a crazy name for a presidential election. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this is the one time I was like, oh, you know what? No, there isn't any commentary here. It's just stupid naming. (laughs) So we got Attack of the Living Brain Puppets followed up by Duped. And today's collection of episodes, we're calling it On My Mind. Mm. Thank yeah. you. That's, I was, I was, I was it, you know, after Attack of the Living Brain Puppets, I didn't know how I was going to be able to top that. Yeah, that, that title speaks for itself. <laughs> so we got our main cast of Static is back in this one. We also got some additional voices with Kimberly Brooks, who not only voices Puff in the series, but also our villain for this episode, Madeline Spaulding. You might have heard her voice in the as Cheetah and Giganta 
in the DCAMU Wonder Woman Bloodlines film that we covered on this podcast. Our (laughs) favorite film. Love it so much. Then not many, too many voices in that particular episode. So we're going to jump on to Duped, where we have Kadeem Hardison is back as Rubber Band Man. We got Malcolm Jamal Warner, a.k.a. Theo from The Cosby Show, is voicing Mr. Lester Biggs, the record exec. Can I call him this the rapper extraordinaire? I think you can. Okay. All right. Cool. So we got rapper extraordinaire and the person who rapped the Keenan and Kel theme song. This is, you know, I think this is where I hold it close to. We got Coolio playing Replicon in the Duped episode. And finally, wrapping it all up, we got another special celebrity guest. This episode's packed with them. We got Backstreet Boy himself. AJ McLean makes an appearance in the Static Shock series. You know, they they the amount of celebrity cameos that they managed to get <laughs> is incredible for this show. It really is. I I just don't know how they did it. I'm I'm like 90% sure they probably all own the rights in some way, shape, or form. It's like 1% of ownership. <laughs> <laughs> they have 1% of uh the DC comics in print. And that's why we couldn't get a movie for the last 200 years. <laughs> All right. So that's our cast. And now we're going to start off with our first episode here. Episode nine of season two attack of the living brain puppets. There's no way I can make that sound creepy or scary. <laughs> no, it's, it's just, it is what it is. And you know, what really is scary is that the episode starts by arguably breaking the canon. <laughs> so, <laughs> This is they're they're in the freshman high school elections, right? Yeah, for for president. And Richie talks about running. Everyone wants to run, wants to run. They're freshmen. Haven't they not been <laughs> in high school for more than a year? You know, I had the same question. But I was just like, can Virgil still be fourteen at this point? I I don't think so. We have seen multiple seasons pass. There is no way all these events took place in the span of three months. There, there's at least been a Christmas, at the very yes. least. I, I refuse to believe that they're still freshmen. <laughs> and the reason why we have to question this is because Madeline, she's trying to get some signatures for herself to, one, become a candidate. So she reaches out to Virgil, who tells her that, yeah, I know who you are because we have the same homeroom. And based off the way homerooms work, you got to be about the same age or within the same grade. So Virgil is 14 to 15 still at this point to have freshman class president in, I guess, the second term of school seems weird. Yeah. And it was weird that they even brought it up. They could have just said class president and ambiguous but they specifically say freshman it it threw me off right away because i was like he is not (laughs) a freshman he can't be but he instead of worrying about the canon we got to worry about these vending machines because Mm -hmm. richie's having trouble accessing his vending machines this is his main story arc in conflict (laughs) and i'm not exaggerating by that much and static uh, stimulates the machine with the static and it manages to shoot out with deadly force everything right at him and it shows how strong he is because he took those you know a strike can coming at you at like 10 miles per hour that's terrifying but static was not scared 
That's not terrifying. That's death. (laughs) (laughs) But as Static, he's talking with Richie now. The two of them are walking down the hallway. And this is when Virgil decides to give Richie the ideas. It's like, you know what? If you're so passionate about the fact that, you know, our vending machines are all trash, you know, and no one in the school administration is really taking care of it. How about you just become president and, you know, motion for them to change out the vending machines, which Richie really does take to heart as the two of them start campaigning in the in the lunchroom. As we also see Madeline Spaulding, who is a little bit treated like a a social pariah in her own way. Like no one wants to hear her 32 points for her platform, which, again, why is your platform 32 points? It's too many. It's too many. Bill Clinton had like two. I'm sure. <laughs> and one that was just to play the saxophone. Every day. <laughs> exactly. We don't talk about the other point. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be cheating. Um, anyway, <laughs> Richie. <laughs> so Richie is getting tons of praise. He's being carried off by a crowd. Everyone loves his speech. He's riding right into the elections. Madeline could barely get any signatures. And here she starts experiencing pain. That leads us to a flashback where she's in an alley, and I think she's in the same alley Ragtag is in? Yep, that is <laughs> Ragtag. Ragtag and Madeline got their powers in the exact same location. <laughs> Couple questions here. Why is she in the alley? One. Two. What the hell happened to the animation in this scene? <laughs> <laughs> in the scene, Madeline is notably four shades darker yes for no reason (laughs) and normally i'm like that's great you know representation but she is a completely different shade in every other scene and it's not the bang baby gas didn't change her skin color and it'd be weird if it did but (laughs) (laughs) either she was really tanned in that flashback or something happened with this animation. I have no response to that. <laughs> but once we see that uh, Madeline was affected by the bank baby gas, we also see that she also developed some superpowers here. As there's a group of guys who, again, I don't know why Dakota just has so many bullies. Like we had Francis. Uh, we had, what's his name? The two that like stole the briefcase and then one of them got morphed into that monstrous being during the Pop's Girlfriend episode. And then now we have these other two who are just making fun of Madeline, um, asking her about her campaign. And she tells them, why don't you two just buzz off? And we see her eyes glow purple as the two of them start to kind of like become slack jawed and then start moving around saying buzz 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 pretending like they're bees showing that like madeline probably has some influence on their actions at this point yeah and it to give credit where credit is due it is very terrifying like even Mm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. as an adult to watch this it the the way their faces look the the blanked out expressions the complete control she does have terrifying amounts of power And from that point on, she kind of realizes that she can get what she wants, which is to control everything. So we eventually get to the big election day. Mm -hmm. And there's a nice nice comment for Richie um, where 
the other person running against him, they they were like, he's not smart enough to be president. And Richie's like, never stopped anyone before. <laughs> <laughs> if only you knew back in 2000. And Madeline decides to, again, exercise her powers on Richie. And in doing so, she realizes Virgil is static. Yeah, this is a wild use of power here. I was not expecting for that to be the sudden jump there. Also, it just means that, like, you know, how deep can her powers go? Because if it was like, you know, he, he was just thinking about Virgil being static, then Richie, we need to, you know, we need to get you some hobbies. You can't just keep thinking about Virgil being static this entire time. But if it's something where she's like diving in and really accessing their deepest memories, even something that's not on their forefront of their minds, that's power. And the only way that it gets interrupted is because Virgil walks on over and Madeline, upon realizing that Virgil is static, just runs away so that she doesn't get caught for everything. But now Richie's freaking out because he's just like, he knows that he heard Madeline's voice in his head he knows that she was diving around and pulling things out of his memory. And main thing is that like she, he knows that Madeline saw that Virgil is static. And the only way that he can describe for what happened as to why Virgil was able to break off the connection was that Virgil's energy field, his natural energy field of electromagnetism caused the feedback loop that shorted out the connection. This is the most unbelievable thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I I don't like my guess is they were trying to do some commentary about like your brain is mostly electricity and like mm. static and disrupt it. I guess because black lightning in some versions of black lightning, he can mess up people's memories and make them erase like short term stuff. Mm, so yeah. maybe they were trying to go for something like that. But because they explained it in such a convoluted way, it actually is worse. Yes. So <laughs> it, it it made no sense. And what makes even less sense is Static doesn't believe Richie. He's like, surely she can't be a metahuman. Bro. <laughs> you do so this do you every not week. live in Dakota. <laughs> yeah. Why would you why would you even doubt it? You've had experiences where you have to convince people bang babies exist. And it gets to a point where he even goes to his sister, Sharon, and goes, you know, you're a psychology major. What do you think it is? Drugs, virus, telepathy? And again, Sharon's laughing this off, too. Sharon, you date a metahuman. Why is this so hard to believe? This would have made more sense if it was like a first season thing, like episode two. But we're t- we're in too deep. The world knows what's going. We have a whole metahuman bang baby task force. And you mean to tell me that Madeline having superpowers is completely out there, which isn't because there's just we you know one she was close to ragtag for all we know he probably gave her superpowers. He's she's probably his new his new like one of his others. You know we had run jump push and maybe now we have think. I don't know. <laughs> think. Yeah, she doesn't get a superhero name, so I guess it's it's uh think. <laughs> but as we keep thinking about why nobody's realizing that Madeline could have superpowers, uh Virgil heads on the bed, he goes to sleep, and this is where basically Madeline starts her 
her, basically her takeover. She has, she heads on over to Virgil's house. She's standing outside. And as he's sleeping, she starts putting into his dreams, revealing to him that she knows that he's static. And Virgil this entire time is thinking that like, oh yeah, this is all a dream. Nothing's really happening. But as he wakes up, that's when not only does he hear everybody around him outside, just in this zombified state, heading on over to meet up with Madeline, he tries to exit and that's where he finds his zombified father and sister, even though he still doesn't believe a little bit that Madeline has these superpowers. Again, the animation used to render them is pretty, pretty terrifying, pretty unsettling. And he decides to lock them away like any good zombie. Well, if you if they weren't full zombies, if they're full zombies, go for the head. Doesn't matter immediately. <laughs> Double tap. <laughs> just just go for it. They're not coming back. But he decides to go out and he finds that the streets are filling up with these brain puppets. And even Richie got got. So now he decides in a pretty smart move, the smartest thing you'll see in this episode, he decides to blend in to get closer to where Madeline goes. And he just pretends to be a zombie and blends in with the crowd and makes his way to Dakota high where Madeline is using all this vast power to again, try to win a freshman freshman presidential election. (laughs) Yeah. So static or Virgil is able to grab a video camera and he's recording the entire conversation or rather the speech that Madeline's given about her 32 points of why she needs to become freshman class president. And it's just enough time for him to change into his static uniform. And that's where he drops the ball on her that he's going to reveal this tape to the proper authorities so that everybody knows that she's out here controlling minds. And Madeline does actually bring up a good point by saying that like you can do that however what's stopping me from just taking over the the minds of the cops and Virgil just continues on with his plan and then she chases after him to me that felt a little unnecessary now at this point I mean he also could have just gone right away and not interacted with her whatsoever (laughs) no one nobody at the school was under immediate danger like he could have like if if they were in a dangerous scenario and there was a time clicking you know mm-hmm. then i could see but no he he just decides to give up his whole master plan right on there and again i'll i'll give a little credit to madeline she does have her people throw water on static which i guess everyone knows is his weakness that's <laughs> troubling and then static gets up and close and personal and since his electric powers resist mind control, but literally just needed to zap Madeline with them. And yeah, that's it. <laughs> She's done. Yeah. Pulls off the, the ultimate Uno reverse, even better than his time with the Joker, because he shocks her to the point where just like you were talking about with, with black lightning, it was enough that it wiped her memory because as he's explaining everything to everybody, Richie decides to concede the presidential election to pass it over to the other popular candidate, Joey Bombora, I believe it was his name. Yeah, sure. Uh, Whatever yeah, cool. guy was in this episode. 
<laughs> and he so Joey's going to take over the um, revamped the vending machine campaign. So as Static is telling Virgil about not well, not Virgil, he's telling Richie because I, I mean, he could be talking to himself. We never know. <laughs> as Virgil's telling Richie about the fact that he went to go check in on Madeline, they he tells her that like yeah, the the blast was just enough that it basically knocked out her memory of him being static so they're in the clear they're good it's convenient and it's two the the show has two bizarre endings one showing madeline in like a mental hospital maybe oh yeah and they're like yeah. oh now she doesn't control she doesn't even remember she's a metahuman <laughs> horrifying and then right. we get Virgil and Richie like, oh, I'm hungry for burgers, and they pretend they're zombies, and presumably go to Burger Fool, and that's, that's we're gonna wrap it up right there. We're just gonna end it. Yeah. Um. So duped um, <laughs> is not only how I'm feeling, but also the name of our next episode. <laughs> X for A one transition. <laughs> With duped, we open up to uh, guitar center. I think this is like a guitar center. <laughs> this is a guitar center. A Sam Ash, whatever. Right? Are. Yes, Sam Ash. That's what I was trying to remember. <laughs> a B and H. Sorry, that's just New York people. That's just New York people. <laughs> but yeah, we open up to this guitar center, random combination of other things, where Rubber Band Man is trying out this new. I'm assuming it's a new synthesizer, but also the most expensive musical instrument I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> yeah, the guy was like, you, you better sell your car if you want to buy this. Bro, <laughs> you think I need this musical instrument more than a car? What is wrong with you? <laughs> so as they're talking things over, uh, they hear some commotion going on with, between another person who works at this place as, and a customer. Two of them are fighting over a guitar and as the, the guy who's talking to Rubber Band Man is heading on over to quiet it down, he realizes that the person who's working there doesn't actually work there. And that's when it was revealed that Coolio has made it onto the scene. For my Yu-Gi-Oh fans, Pegasus played Toon World and turned Coolio into this cartoon version of himself because <laughs> he looks exactly the same. They didn't even attempt to change the character model. But he's he's a villain. And, uh, you know, all he's really trying to do is get his mixtape out there. But it, it's it's just not working for him. Yeah, this thing is colder than the tundra. This this is not hot at all. <laughs> not. Nope. Not at all. But Rubber Band Man sees this as an opportunity to sign back up into the hero gig. He's very happy about it. So he goes off to fight against uh, Julio here. And as the two are about to go that, like, about to fight, this is when Static hears the commotion, flies in, and at one point, Coolio and Rubber Band Man bounce off against each other, sending the other person flying. And now Static is talking to Rubber Band Man, asking him, like, yo, what's, uh, what's going on? But the funny thing about this, he calls him by his real name. He says straight up, Adam, what's up? Like, what happens to code names in the, when we out here in the, in the streets? going on man <laughs> ridiculous like come on man you're, you're doing flash levels of a uh, secret identity <laughs> now yeah so as 
Coolio hears this, we find out that his real name is Marvin because a band man realizes that he knows him from back in the day when they used to work together at this old record store. And he was talking, the two of them get into a little argument here because he was, Rubber Bandman says that, you know, we were planning on taking over the world together until I figured out he was all talking, no beats. Like, trash. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't say it. It was Rubber Bandman who said it. This man came for the throats. Imagine somebody ca- calling and telling you, you're all talk, no beats. Like, I, I would go home. <laughs> I would just give up, give up everything. Like, damn, you might be right. Yeah, but uh, Marvin does end up going home because he's now taking on the new name called Replicon as he's able to replicate anything that he actually sees and to turn it into a living being. So he sees this like gargoyle on a on a guitar and turns into the gargoyle and flies away. Unfortunately, Static and Rubber Man are unable to find it because, again, he changes to another character as you know, we jump to the next day with Virgil being at school, trying to figure out exactly what went down the day before. It's weird because he's encountered this exact situation pretty much before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you'd think he'd be ready for something like this to happen. Yeah. And I guess Replicon also, you he gets some requisite powers of whatever he turns into. Oh, yeah, because he flew. Yeah. So... The question of like why he wouldn't go to a comic book store and find Superman because Batman exists in this universe and just becomes Superman is, you know, anyone's guess. Right. But in any case, uh, Virgil's talk- joking about putting a muzzle on his sister again <laughs> while he runs into the editing team and He's got to he's got to duck some some projectiles because he's trying to talk smack about the Backstreet Boys. And back then, <laughs> you just weren't allowed to do that. You know, you it, it, it was like you know a Bloods in the Crips beef. You couldn't talk dirt about Backstreet Boys to a teenage girl. You know, it, it was on site if you did. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's that's very true. I'm not gonna lie. We I have lost friendships over the NSYNC Backstreet Boys battle. <laughs> 98 degrees, um, you know, I don't, I don't think I found anybody that really repped them that hard. <laughs> but the editors in the room are Daisy and Frida. Again, hello, Frida. Where have you been this entire time? Like, this is the most we've seen her in these two episodes, actually. She made an appearance in the last episode. And this one, this is the most we've seen her in this series and for quite some time, I feel. Yeah. And uh, No, you, you could. I know. I was just thinking of, like, the timeline again. It's just all messed up. <laughs> right, that is that is a good point. Where is this? I mean, guaranteed this takes place after a bad man becomes a good guy and that whole event with like him and Ebon. But like I feel like again, that was probably the summer. Yeah, th- there's a lot of time that had to have passed between all to make all these events happen. Because for Daisy to be around. There's got to be a month where he went to a different school. Like mm. that, the timeline makes, makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> so Virgil's back at home. He's making the sandwich as he gets a call now. And it's Adam, rubber band man, asking if Sharon's in the house. And Adam reveals that he left his demo over at the house. And if it's possible, can Virgil bring it over to him? Because he needs it right now. No questions asked. And can't bring anybody with them. 
which leads Virgil into wondering, like, what in the world's going on? Why is Adam being so secretive? You know, like, naturally, his superhero mind should have gone to the point of like, hey, is, is, he, is he up to no good again? But I think he, at this point, we've kind of get a sense that Virgil now trusts Adam a lot more than he did in the past. Yeah, and it's, it's a nice to have them have this relationship come full circle. And it turns out the reason why is because that there's so much trust over the CD is because he's giving it to AJ McLean of the Backstreet Boys fame. And <laughs> you have to add it in. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That, that high, that high pitch. Got to get that scream in there. And Virgil promises he will not blow up the spot because AJ McLean loves the beats. He wants to take rubber band man to Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I, I guess, I mean, Rubber Man has pretty much done more hip hop, but I guess he has that crossover track that's going to really, <laughs> like, it was it was a few years before J- Justin Timberlake pulled up with, you know, Cry Me a River and did all those, like, cross, sort of crossing the streams. So, you know, maybe AJ was trying to get a jump on, <laughs> on everything. Damn, I used to think about it like that. We could have had AJ McLean being out here changing the game yeah well um i guess that didn't really happen but (laughs) (laughs) but as virgil says he won't tell anybody he immediately shares news with richie at the same time marvin aka replicon is at a recording studio or record um like a building for a record company demanding that his mixtape be presented over to mr biggs who one has a giant painting or portrait of himself in the in the lobby space. Like this thing goes from floor to ceiling and is at least 10 feet tall. Maybe 20, cutting it off at 30. Yeah, he's got that IMAX size screen for himself. <laughs> Bro. Come on. <laughs> right. Just stop. So as Marvin gets kicked out, he walks away. He sees the, the picture and decides to turn to Mr. Biggs as he's trying to head on up now to, to the meeting where he sees um, AJ and Adam are talking with Mr. Biggs and another person who's there, uh, Rita, who's like in charge of the talent acquisition as they're looking to really sign rubber band man right now. Unfortunately, Marvin is just standing there and he's just like, nah, the wheels are already turning in his head of how he can stop this from happening. And we don't get a chance to see that quite just yet because Daisy and Frida, even though being on the um, the editorial squad for the school is supposed to be writing about the school, they're writing a whole entire paper about the Backstreet Boys. And Richie comes in to brag about the fact that he knows where AJ McLean currently is and immediately sells it out. For the highest price known to man. Yeah. That that number two combo. Yep. That, that that's what they you got him with it. Got him with the what was it? Cheeseburger, fries, was nugget the, shake. Yep. Double chili cheeseburger with the grilled onions on top. That that sounds like instant diarrhea. Like, <laughs> you won't even make it out of the restaurant with that. But you know, with that young metabolism, he made it through. And 
so now everyone knows where they where AJ is. Rubberman Man has to use his powers, considerable powers, to stop the fangirls from trampling AJ until Static flies in and you know tries to get that autograph. <laughs> what kind of autograph did that, that sign? Autograph was trash. <laughs> <laughs> it, it really looked, was trash. It looked like he was trying to do a landscape p- portrait. I didn't see his name anywhere in that autograph. And, you know, now AJ's safe, but Adam's upset because he his record deal falls through and he thinks it has to do with Static not being to keep his mouth closed about um, where, where AJ was. And at this point, the funniest point in the episode, this almost saved the entire thing for me. We finally hear Replicons beats. <laughs> <laughs> and they are hot garbage. <laughs> Yo, this is like even playing around in garage band and bullshitting in it, you cannot make a beat that bad. <laughs> <laughs> so we find out that AJ got kidnapped by Replicon when he went back into his hotel. He is now shut down the deal with Adam and saying that we need to sign Replica. As AJ, he's saying we need to sign Replicon instead. So, Mr. Biggs is just like, yo, are you sure? Because he even says this, this, these beats are just straight up hot garbage on like a summer day at 12 p.m. Because I don't understand why you want these, especially after we just heard Adam. So this is when AJ or Replicon decides he's going to try to pull the ultimate power move and just say that, like, as AJ, I'm about to you know, pull out the deal. You don't, you know, you'll lose me if you don't sign Replicon. So now Replicon is about to get a record deal. And as they're back at home, Virgil, Richie, Daisy and Frida are also at the Hawkins residence. They're watching the news and they're seeing AJ or as Replicon, or Replicon's AJ. It gets really confusing at points. <laughs> but we do have one indicating factor that tells us that, like, Replicon is impersonating AJ. As Daisy and Frida notice that the tattoos on AJ's arms are on the wrong side. Yep. The fangirls save the day, as they mm-hmm. usually do. They always yep. notice the little things. So with that little bit of evidence... Virgil's like, all right, we got to take care of this. And, you know, Richie working overtime today (laughs) has to collab with Virgil to find out where AJ could possibly be. And luckily, they're smart enough to figure it out. Yes, they were able to figure out that AJ is being held captive by Replicon over at the same record record store that he and adam used to work at back in the day so as replicon is just gloating over the fact that you know he's got the record deal and everything he's saying that like you know what i don't even need you anymore aj as he turns into a werewolf which was yeah (laughs) and then this is where it gets super weird he says i don't need you anymore and now we're under the assumption that he's planning on eating aj alive how did we turn into a cartoon going into cannibalism i yeah i don't 
does he get the attributes of the thing he's turning into? Like, does he suddenly crave human flesh, or did he crave human flesh beforehand? These are the questions that we need answers to, y'all. And I, I'm worried about what we'll find out. Yeah, and uh, luckily we don't have to get all the answers because Static shows up as he does, and to Replicon's credit, comes up with a initially great strategy which is to turn into wood because mm-hmm. he's like electricity doesn't work on wood sure maybe i don't <laughs> like yeah. i i mean if it lights on fire i'm pretty sure it does you know if the friction yeah also a strong enough blast i feel could make it like i'm i feel like from seeing trees get hit by lightning you're probably not going to last that long, which is why I guess it was appropriate that he turned himself into a wooden dummy. So. Right. Yeah. Cause he <laughs> doesn't know as much science. And like, if he plays Pokemon, he would know. That, right. You know, it's not, electricity is not that effective against grass types, you know? See, so play your Pokemon kids. So this is where we get another celebrity, basically a celebrity shot here where AJ is able to, Grab some headphones because they're once again they're in the music store. Grab some headphones and puts them on so to the point where the feedback causes age causes Replicon to lose consciousness. And when Static asked him, was like, "Yo, what did you what did you do?" He was just like, "Well, I just played his own bad music on them," which is the most savage line I have ever heard in my entire life. Beat so bad you pass out. Can you imagine? <laughs> Damn. <laughs> well, since AJ is safe, Adam is free to ink that deal, ink his big deal. Not like mm-hmm. he needed it, because last time he lived in a house that was approximately eight times bigger than every place I've ever lived combined. <laughs> and I don't know why they're being so mean. Virgil's like, oh yeah, he'd probably be a one-hit wonder. I'm like, bro. <laughs> Let his career begin. Right? Like, if he comes up, we all come up. Yes. Like, I don't understand why you try to praise for his downfall. Like, come on. He, he was a concert star before. He can do it again. Exactly. Y'all will buy his tickets day of. Yeah, now that they have insulted their friend, their only one of their celebrity friends, Virgil and Richie end the episode by trying to rap. They just, they just try to rap at the end. That's... Yeah. That's the um, bars. Hashtag yeah. bars. <laughs> so you don't have to think about it too much longer. <laughs> um, How did you feel about these episodes? What was... We're going to change the game here. What was the worst episode in your and opinion? <laughs> these two episodes, I guess these, you know, everything gets tossed in the idea pile at some point. Sometimes things get pushed through. <laughs> Because this is truly a race to the bottom. And, you know, <laughs> we've had a few good weeks. So, you know, we forget. But mm-hmm, sometimes mm-hmm. there are dips. I mean, both of these episodes are trash, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> but I, I do think the brain snatchers, living body. What, what was it? Living brain? <laughs> Back in the living brain puppets. Brain puppets. There we go. I, I think it's worse. When you put these two episodes, they, they the core problem is the same. You have two villains whose powers are way too much. They're mm-hmm. way too much if you think about them for too long. Because Madeline 
could control Superman. Replicon could be Superman (laughs) if he really wanted to. And they never go to that extent of their powers, nor give them any limitations. Like at one point, Madeline can control a whole town. And Mm -hmm. like without any drawing on her energy, like it doesn't sack her or anything. And Replicon extremely has no recharge time or anything to worry about. Like he gains the requisite body for his powers. So you have these two game-breaking villains, and they're not handled very well. No, neither of their arcs are very sympathetic. But because Duped has a few legitimate laughs about the mixtape, Rubber Band Man is there, even though it's his worst appearance, worst yeah. written appearance at, at all. Because it just has a few laughs, uh, it's it's better slightly, but it is it is right down there with 1% of all germs. <laughs> and I I will say both of these episodes are worse than Shaq, in my opinion. They're, they're worse than Shaq. What? I, I, I think at least Shaq was trying to go for something here. I could I can't even give much credit. Like no deeper meanings, nothing. Damn. Oh, you heard it here first, folks. Uh <laughs> There's a there's a worse episode than Static Shack. All right, all right. Wow. I'm sorry, I'm uh, sorry Shaq. I'm sorry. You didn't deserve. You didn't deserve. It. I I think he'll see this as a win. You know, he's he, he's on the rise. Who knows? He might come back. <laughs> yeah, maybe. And I also do want to point out because of uh, the Living Brain Puppets had that steep animation drop mm. that really somebody should have caught. And I don't know what happened there, but it was obvious. It was really obvious. Yeah, because I feel like we've handled flashbacks in the past that didn't have that drastic drop in the animation. And especially with, at this point, being in season two, uh, you know, like, yeah, season one, you know, we're still learning about the world, but we've had other flashbacks, I feel like, in season two, I think, that we could have worked around. Like, even Frozen Out, that whole sequence of her having that flashback we saw no drop in the animation we saw a color change like that would have been awesome well we did see a color change i guess (laughs) (laughs) we saw a race change (laughs) (laughs) so um i I guess it i guess for the mission it worked but um (laughs) for the aesthetic it did (laughs) it and you know, I I agree. I think I'm going to go with living brain puppets as well. It felt like everything about it was just very fast-paced. Like, even though Madeline seems like a great villain for Static, I think, again, she wasn't used properly in this episode. She does pop up later on in the series, which I'm excited for. Well, I mean, hopefully we'll be excited for I don't really remember what happened in that episode <laughs> now. But... You know, just given the fact that, like, you know, just this story felt like more of something that maybe was like a Halloween special that just didn't really go right, especially just given the timeline, given the fact that it probably aired, if I'm not mistaken, in the latter or earlier part of the year. So completely away from Halloween as we can get, especially because we had Frozen Out, which was supposed to be a Christmas episode. So, and given the fact that this dropped after the fact, we can only assume that this aired in about 2003, nowhere near Halloween. So, and then with Duped, it wasn't 
like you said, a strong Batman story at all. Like it barely even focused on it. This was more of a redemption for him that just didn't really sit well. Like I think the last episode was a better one. This was just like we want to show that Adam still can make it big in the music business, which could have been told was just saying that like with Sharon saying that like, yeah, she's going to see Adam because he's been traveling around after getting that deal. We could have avoided an entire episode of him trying to work with AJ and have to fight Coolio. Like these are the battles I didn't want to see (laughs) or didn't think about happening. And, you know, after seeing it, I was just like, probably would have been okay with not seeing it. But it's not going to live in Brain Puppet's worst. Don't know if it's worse than Static Shack. I'll get back to you on that. But (laughs) Duped, again, was... had his strong moments just because of the the actual laughs that it gave and no crazy dips in animation. It felt very streamlined and on par with the how season two has been going, really. Yeah, and uh, I also do want to mention, because we talked about dates real quick, mm-hmm. Frozen Out, the Christmas special, was originally released on February 23rd, 2002. Oh, okay. And Attack of the Living Brain Puppets was released April 6, 2002, originally. How do we get a sudden drastic jump in temperature there? (laughs) Couldn't couldn't tell you. Um, Yeah, so very random. Very random Mm -hmm. air dates. And I don't know what the intention was. But uh, yeah, very random dates. Well, that was our two shows. We don't really have much comics this time around, mainly because Madeline Spaulding, there are certain, there are versions of her that kind of exist, but more in the sense of just like her, the the concept of like the fact of her finding out about Virgil being static, like that's not something that is not uncommon to the world of static and other superheroes. And obviously, Coolio did not make any appearances in the static shock comic book series <laughs> nor did we have such an introspective look at the the journey of rubber band man over these past couple of episodes but something that does pop up a lot and has been popping up a lot in this season too is the idea of like secret identities so static as virgil virgil is static has been going back and forth and like trying to handle his life knowing that like at any moment if someone finds out his identity, finds out his secret, then it might all blow up in his face. And that was really a concept that I felt was very strong in superhero media in those early 2000 years, even before then. But then back in like, I feel like it was 2008 when Iron Man dropped, you know, we had Robert Downey Jr. come through as Tony Stark and just say the words, I am Iron Man, which... I feel has changed the superhero game in these last couple of years. Like a lot of heroes have kind of abandoned the idea of that secret identity, but you know, we've got a chance now to see a little bit of that recognition that we've always wanted for our heroes after all the time, like doing all this like champion work. And, you know, we see that happening, like, you know, Hawkeye again, the comp meal at a Chinese restaurant during the holiday season. Pretty valuable. Pretty valuable. But at the same time, we see them receive the same judgments of, you know, how they've fallen short over the years. Maybe they weren't able to save somebody or, you know, they put in danger their own families for because of the fact that now their identity is so exposed. 
And DC's kind of avoided this. Like we've always gone through with like, you know, no one knows who Batman is except for his close friends. Um, no one knows really the identity of Superman or his Flash. Like these have always been kept a secret. However, more recently, I feel like we've been seeing that kind of transition happening where for the DCEU, Superman, Lois Lane, who's been canonically known for not realizing that Clark Kent and Superman are wearing the same, immediately finds out in the movie Man of Steel. And then in the CW verse, we got Flash basically revealing his identity to a villain every episode. <laughs> yeah, just, uh, you know, hey, my name's Flash. Do do do. There's my identity. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's to a point where if the person is not constantly preserving their identity, it, it almost it almost seems odd when people mention it. Like there was a particular Flash episode probably season five or six right in the middle where a villain was like, Hey flash, if you try to use your super speed, I'm going to expose your identity to everybody. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, you can't run <laughs> faster than she can speak. I, I don't know, but <laughs> it, it was interesting to, to be reminded of that. Cause that was the, the threat on throughout the episode. Like your secret identity can be exposed. And you know, the idea of you got to protect your family from any backlash mm-hmm. which is something hawkeye explored very well and down to earth in a way that we haven't seen uh, lately and in the dc universe uh, live action shows lately hasn't been that <laughs> concerned about identity but things like shazam mm. and i'm sure the upcoming batman movie will get right back into all of that yeah, so now that we kind of see this, like some productions are still keeping strong with that, ident- keeping the identity secret, and some of them are exposing it. Um, you know, these last couple episodes, Stack's been really trying to hide his own. But as you know, we're probably always contemplating the future of Static. You know, will Jaden Smith finally pick up the, the flying disc? Uh, you know, and now we know we have like a live action coming. We have an animated coming like there's so many different versions of static and the mouse universe just popping up in different places. Do you think this generation is ready for like maybe a static who's willing to reveal his identity to the crowd? Do you think it will serve him better at this point? I mean, it's it would it would kind of be a lot like Luke Cage. Luke Cage, he walks around openly and the main reason he does it is because he's impervious. Like no one can hurt him. No one really knows who's attached to him. His family's far away. So he's able to get away with it. But I do think that unless Static was on his own, um, I would doubt that he would he would reveal his identity just because of all the backlash, especially in Dakota, where people would come after Virgil anyway. So I don't think he wants to put any more of a target on his family's back. Yeah, I agree. I think um you know, I was really thinking about it just because we had a recent younger superhero as well who I feel like in the last couple set of his productions and movies has been really open with his identity, even questioning, like, is it time for him to reveal it? And I think that's probably because he was heavily influenced by just other people around him who were doing the same thing. And then, you know, like Static very much his personality, his style just echoes that same person. So 
I can see it being a question get, that gets brought up in other productions that mainly focus on him. But, you know, and I, I think they and they have toyed with the fact of just like how does Static reveal his identity in the original set of comics? Frida knows exactly who he is after she was saved by him after he had that fight with Hot Streak, a.k.a. Biz Money B. And then he, in the newer set of comics, the ones that dropped in 2021, he basically openly adopts this identity of being static with his family. His friends know about what happened to him. He, you know, some people at school also kind of know that, like, basically his whole neighborhood keeps him safe. But does it take away the fact of this, like, added extra structure of just, like, you know, this, like, extra plot point of just, like, keeping the identity secret to try to avoid, like, is it a good plot line now at this point? I... I'm not entirely too sure just because I think like it's been used so often that like it does feel a little bit at times as filler. The the trouble with the secret identity story for a long form show or movie is that you're just really counting down the minutes until mm-hmm. it's revealed <laughs> and then yeah. they go about their day. And sometimes you can pull it off really well, like Shazam, the choice where Billy Batson Sorry, spoilers. Uh, <laughs> Billy Batson's Shazam? What? <laughs> so, you know, he reveals that to his foster brother first, and then the rest of his family gradually learns um, that secret, his foster siblings. And the way they play that is very nice because you can get scenes where he's transforming, they don't know it's him, and you can have fun with that. And it culminates to them all sharing the secret. They all become Shazam siblings. So when you do something inventive and creative like that, it really shakes up the formula. But normally it's like when you meet a new iteration of Batman and he meets Catwoman, you're like, okay, so when are they going to find out about each other? Just counting down the minutes because then that's where the real relationship and interesting dynamic can start. So yeah, it is. If you do it right and you put a nice spin on it, the secret identity thing can work. But most of the time, it's you're just counting down. Okay, you've met, you've met this new version of Blue Beetle. You met his best friend. You met his love interest. When are they all going to find out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. You know, I'm I'm hoping that with this version of Static, you know, the, what they do with the concept of his identity does go well. You know, again, like you said, it is a matter of just like counting down the minutes, which We've seen a lot so far in this series, just reaching up until season two. We're actually about one episode away from completing season two. So, and we already had at least a good couple people, including Shaquille O'Neal, who knows the true identity of Static. <laughs> but yeah, so that wraps up a little, our conversation here about comic books and the idea of secret identities and also our episode. So until then, take care of yourselves. And if if you're going to campaign to be the freshman class president, don't have 32 points for your platform. Yes. And if you really want to be a rapper, make sure your mixtape <laughs> is not as trash as replicants. 